So, I'll be glad next week. <laughs> Are you still seeing in 3D? Are you seeing in 3D? Or is everything still flat? Okay, so the big question that we've been looking at is what are you really looking at and are you seeing the big picture? Yep, that's right. Part of this uh, teaching series this year that is uh, really set the tone for the whole year and uh, 3D, uh, we've been looking at what we've been looking at our scripture from Matthew 28 verse 18 to 20 where we're called to be disciples, to follow, to be determined to be a disciple. Determined. To be wholehearted. Determined. To be available. Dedicated. To be an apprentice. Dedicated. To honour the master. Dedicated. To being a lifelong learner. Wow. But that brings us to our third D today, which is? Displays. All right. So that presumably, that's going to bring us to some new questions, isn't it? So our first question today is? Okay, so am I a signpost or am I a distraction? So how many people turned to look to see where that voice came from? (laughs) I think that's pretty much everybody. That's a distraction. Those that were uh, still awake. We've been reading through uh, Luke 12 this this week. So have you got your Bibles there? Luke 12, just uh, turn to it with me. And, uh, oh, I was going to do some funny things, wasn't I? Oh, yeah, yeah, you missed that. You yeah. missed your opportunity. I was going to say, am I a signpost? Or am I a distraction? <laughs> You're never a distraction to me, darling. Oh. Is that good or bad? <laughs> All right. Get into the word, because that's the safe place to be. It is. It is definitely the safe place to be. All right. So, so we've been reading through, uh, reading through this uh, this week. It's one of the scriptures we've been reading. Yeah? Who's been in their uh, scripture reading this week? So, yeah? How many people posted on the blogs? Oh, one person. Two. I know Yasi usually does something. Okay. All right. Don't forget, WHBC Daily. It's a great place to put some of what, what's God saying to you? From the scriptures, share it. So, anyway, here's some of the things that God showed us this week. Okay, so it says in, in uh, Luke 12, chapter 2, it says, There's nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. And I just, I was just puzzling, okay, Lord, where are we going with this this week? What am I going to use this? What do you want to speak? And, and just, got, just God made it really clear. You know, the Christian life. It's not a hidden life. You know you're not allowed to have your private faith. Your faith's not yours. You are called to a public life of being on show. You're not allowed to be hidden. You're actually supposed to be a signpost. And I thought, hmm. Because what we think is being hidden, actually God's insistent. He's determined to reveal and it's not just the sin stuff, because, you know, I don't know about you, but I, I, I've read this in the past, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, God's watching if I do it wrong, even if I do it in secret. It's going to be on public display, and I'm going to be in trouble. 
You know, Justin Bieber this week, he's, he just got himself in a whole pile of trouble, didn't he? And he, of course, he, 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 uh, he, he, he faced it out, so his, uh, his mugshots are him smiling away. But, of course, what's happened is, behind the scenes, he's crying his eyes out. But what gets in the newspaper is him crying his eyes out, not the public face. Because I thought it was really interesting how quickly the papers latch on to that hidden stuff. But actually, do you know what? God wants to reveal our good nature Mm, outwards, not just the the rubbish. That's right. Da-da-da-da. All right. Okay, so Luke 12, in verse 8, it says, Whoever acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels. But he who disowns me before men... Mm. We don't even want to finish that sentence, do we? We don't want to finish that sentence. Be disowned before the angels. But it's important, isn't it, what we say and how we are Mm. and how we behave. Not just here on a Sunday, but at home. Yeah. At school, at college, at university, in the workplace, wherever we are, we're called to display his glory, Mm. to display his splendor. And so that's why we've said, am I a signpost or a distraction? Does my life say to people there is more to life than what you're living? That's right. Do I look like I'm following God or is my life? Just a complete distraction. You know, you can have an anointing and a call on your life, but you can live a completely um, hedonistic lifestyle. You know, we we knew somebody who could evangelize. I mean, there was just this anointing upon this person's life. Whoever she spoke to, she couldn't help but talk to about God. But she had a drink problem. And she would consistently drink. But even when she was down the pub, when she was drunk, she still was talking about God. Because the time she turned up at our house drunk with someone in tow that she wanted us to tell about uh, how God works in their, li- in their, in their life. And then you're thinking, how can that happen? How can that work? But, and sure enough, it yeah. always undermined her. So there's an anointing, but the way she lived her life was a complete distraction to God. That's right. Uh, to but, not, you know, to seeing God. That's right. But it also says it in 1 Peter 1 and uh, verse, uh, sorry, 1 Peter 3, verse 15, it says that we're to have a reason for the hope within. So there's something, if we are on display, then we're going to be expressing what that hope is. And, and what we're doing and showing and, and the signpost is going to be a clear sign. It's not going to be you know, one of those billboards that you drive past and, and you, you know, your eyes caught towards it because of something that's on there that shouldn't be on there. And you know you shouldn't be caught looking that way and you don't want to be crashing in the car. You know what I'm talking about? Of course, men, we, we don't look at that because I love you, darling. Well, there's nothing worse. Do you remember when they put that new billboard on the way home? You come down over the bridge and you go down and they put this billboard on the roundabout you're coming down, and instead of concentrating on turning left or right, all you saw was this great big billboard, and it was just a complete distraction to the way mm-hmm. we were going, and we need to go the right way, and that's Jesus' that's right. way. Or if you ever come to one of those roundabouts, there's multiple signs. Like in France, one of the uh, crazy, oh, and America's even worse, 
you know, the signs are actually at the junction. It's like, where am I going? Where am I going? Oh my goodness, there it is! And the trouble is, you're in the wrong lane and you're on the, and you can't turn and you've done all the wrong things and then it takes you two miles to turn back round because the roads are so long. And, you know what I mean? It, it, you want a clear sign ahead of time that's going to show you what you're supposed to be doing. Hmm. Mm. Anyway, so so in, 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 I was just mulling this over, and, and then in Luke 12, it goes on, and there's this parable about the, uh, the rich fool. That's interesting, how the rich are so foolish. And, and actually, God was just speaking to me, and it, again, he, he was not focusing on the sin element. He was actually focusing to me, with me on the blessing part. Do you know what? God has blessed you. You're not going to be blessed. You know, those that keep praying the Jabez players, oh, that God would bless me and, uh, and all that. Hey, you don't understand the New Testament. You are blessed. Stop trying to get blessed and start living in the blessing. Start using the blessing and you'll see more of the reality of the blessing. But you see, the problem wasn't this guy getting blessed. This guy was living in blessing. And so as you read this, this parable of, of the uh, rich young fool in, uh, in Luke 12 here, starting at 13, at uh, num- uh, verse 13 of chapter 12, it says, Jesus, someone in the crowd said to, to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And Jesus' kind of response is, What are you worried about? Inheritances and all the rest of it. You know, uh, this is what's happening. You're blessed. He starts from the blessing. Okay? We need to really get this in our hearts. Everything God asks us to do comes from being blessed. Otherwise, it's unreasonable. Yeah? You can't give what you don't have. Yeah? So, he's, he's, he's then shows this, uh, this rich young, a certain, uh, it says, a ground of a certain rich man produced a good crop. And he said to him, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. I know what I'll do. I'll do this. I will tear down my barns, build bigger ones, and there I'll store my grain and my goods. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of good things laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. And God said to him, you fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? And God was just speaking to me. It's just like, the issue wasn't the riches the guy had. The issue wasn't even the building of the barns. The issue was he prepared it for himself. And his whole focus was on himself. You know, God anoints us, sets us in place, so that we become a demonstration, a display, that other people can see God's goodness and be drawn to it and receive out of the overflow of what God puts in our hearts of his word, what he puts in our pockets through finances, what he puts into our lives through relationships, that, you see, our home is an open home. Our home is not closed off. So he sets the lonely in families. If you've, got a, if you've come out of a broken home where you've seen divorce and all the rest of it, where are you going to learn how to walk in the liberty and freedom of a son of God who's never going to get divorced, but it's going to get married and it's going to work and everything's... You're going to need right role models. So those who have got their marriages just about together, it doesn't have to be perfect, 
but you just have to begin to open your life. You see, the more you use and demonstrate what God's giving you, the more God can give you. The more you chase after God and use what he gives you, the more he adds to you. And, but the rule, this young, rich man, he wanted to use it for himself, and God went, you've, you've got the ideas wrong. You've got the focus wrong. It's not about you. You're t- blessed already. That's not the issue. The issue is what you're going to do. And what does it say? Store up. This is how it will be with anyone who stores up things for himself, but is not rich towards God. It doesn't say anyone who stores up things for himself. Do you see what the scripture says? It doesn't say that. The scripture says, who stores up things for himself, but isn't rich towards God. And I just thought, yeah. That's the... Yeah, we have a quote here from Jim Elliott, who, who is a missionary. He said, he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. You know, the kingdom of God is not ours to keep to ourselves. The kingdom of God is ours to share for others, you know. And <clears throat> there is a, um, uh, an atheist comedian, I can't remember his name. Penn and Teller. Yeah, who, who um, we can't show the video. But, <laughs> but it was interesting because he says, you know, if a two-ton truck, was coming down the road towards somebody and you saw a man in front, would you run to or shout or holler or something to get that man to move? The answer is yes, you would. How much more when people are going to hell and going to eternally be separated from God, how much more should we be running around the road, running down the road saying, hey, there's something much better and greater. And it really comes down to this question of how do you see yourself? Do you live as an accountant or a teacher or a nurse or a doctor or a housewife who just happens to be a Christian? Or do you live as a Christian who happens to be an accountant, a nurse, a doctor, a housewife, you know? That's the question. How do you see yourself? Because if you see yourself as the Christian who happens to do that, then your perspective is going to be completely different. Yeah, that's right. Perspective. That's a, you know, I mean, I, I'm, we're not just preaching this as theory. This is what I, I lived up in London. I lived as a, and worked as an accountant, you know. And uh, so many people, uh, they just... Uh, they're oblivious to the, the surroundings. You, you, you're, you're on this train going up to London. It's an hour each way in, in the day. But that day started with two hours of prayer before I ever left the, and caught the train to London. Uh, when I was on the train, things would happen. At work, things were constantly happening. In, in the middle of the work, I was getting uh, words of knowledge for people. I, I was, I'd be praying about situations. And sometimes these words of knowledge were just about how the company was running. It wasn't always the kind of, uh, thus saith the Lord kind of stuff. Sometimes it was just the simple, why don't you do this about work? But what happened was I had such favor in the company because they knew I was a Christian. They stopped antagonizing me for being a Christian, and they started to listen to things I said. But what I had to realize, there were times when I wasn't really praying, I wasn't really close to God, and actually... I stunk at the job. 
because it was the anointing that took me to that place. We read about that. We read about the story of Esther. God took Esther from being in an ordinary situation, brought her, and if you read in the Old Testament there, the story of Esther, raised her to the highest place in the land as the queen, replacing a queen who'd let pride enter her heart. And then the test came. The test came as to whether she would use her position to protect herself or whether she would use her position to get before the king on behalf of her people. And you see, the things that God gives us, is it a display or are we a distraction? Are we someone who causes people to be focused on the right things? Or like Esther needed someone, Mordecai, her, her, her mentor, her, the person who brought her up, had to say, listen, you need to understand, if you don't speak out, your position will not save you. That's, wow. We need people like that who will speak to us and challenge us. Uh, I was working um, at the message, and uh, I was working, uh, overseeing all the message with Andy Hawthorne, and two of us were running the, the, the whole work there. Um, and I, I, we planted the church. And so I had two jobs, two full-time jobs, kind of. It was all kind of hours, crazy. And, and uh, Les Mitchell, who was one of our trustees at the time, he just said to me, Alan, you've got two jobs. All I hear from you is, is one. It's actually called division. Division. You're actually a divided man. You don't actually have the clear call of God in your life. Choose one or the other. You need people that say that kind of things to you that actually make you realize that you're pointing in the wrong direction. And it wasn't that one was bad and one was good. Both of them were awesome. But one of them was the one I was called to do. Okay? And I just... You know, as we're doing this here, that's what God's called us to. Yeah, so we're to live as a signpost, a planting of the Lord for the display of his glory. That's right. So that brings us to our second question. Yeah. That's I'm going to point to myself. Oh, oh you're going to Jesus. <laughs> do I point to myself or do I point to Jesus? Yeah. Is it such a display that it distracts everybody and actually doesn't just distract and get them off beam, but actually gets them looking at the person? Mm. Mm. So we've been reading through, haven't we? 1 Samuel 14 as well. So, so we've got lots, lots of scripture from this week. Looking at Saul. And in verse 13... Of 15, sorry, did I not say that? 1 Samuel 15. Verse 13 says, I have carried out the Lord's instructions, Saul claims. And Samuel says, What then is the bleating of sheep in my ears? Saul, Saul was told to wait. He was told to wait for Samuel to come to prepare the offering. But Saul, instead of waiting, he decided to do it himself. His way. His way. So actually... My way. (laughs) Hey, Claire can sing and do things. I can do it too, can't I? (laughs) So it all became about him. It all became about Saul and not about God. Um, As we keep on on reading, you know, 
It, it says here in, in 1 Samuel 15, verse 17, as it, as it goes on, Samuel begins to unpack what's been going on in, in Saul's life. He says, although you were once small in your, idea, in your eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you as king. In other words, it really is this thing. God didn't choose a whole pile of wise people. We read that in, 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 uh, in 1 Corinthians 1, and verse 26 to 30. It says, remember, not many of you were wise. Not many of you were influential. Not many of noble birth. But God chose the weak things, the lowly things, the despised things, the things that are not, to confound the wise. And, and, and so, so here... Here, God picks Saul. He picks this guy that his head and shoulders above everybody else, but hides. When it's time to, be, to, to come out, he, he's, he's hiding in the baggage, we read. That was the previous week, by the way. But this week, what we see is, although he was small in his eyes, now he has got a different viewpoint. He sees himself as the king, and actually, he's going to do what he wants to do. Now, God said, do whatever your hand calls, uh, sees fit to do. But then there were a few extra instructions that Samuel gave him after that. So he listened to the first part of the command and ignored all the rest. And this is what it says. It says in in verse 20, uh, when he's been challenged, he says, but I did obey. He says in verse 20, he says, I went on the mission the Lord assigned me. Saul is getting angry. He's like, what do you mean? How can you accuse me? I've done all the right things. I've done exactly what I've been told. But Samuel's going on, but hang on. There's a bleating in the ears. There's, there's something else going on. And what he says in verse 22 is, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice. So it's really important, isn't it, how we live our lives, but how we display God. And it's human nature to want to take credit for things and to want to be praised for things. And when you're sharing testimony, who are you giving the glory to? Are you giving the glory to God or are you giving to the glory to you in the way that you prayed? And it's very interesting You know, if you listen to people, you're all going to be really careful now when you give testimonies, I know. But, you know, some people like to say, I prayed every day last week and God did this. Well, are you actually pointing to God or are you pointing to the fact that you prayed every day? It's a very subtle thing. But who are you pointing to? You see, all of you can pray with people to be healed. They don't have not just Alan and me, you can as well. But and one of the things I personally don't like about some of the, the TV evangelists and whatever is they like they say, give me your money and I'll pray for you and you will be healed. No, I'm sorry. God wants to heal you anyway, whether you give money or not. There is some wrong stuff out there. Yeah. Who, who is... You know, are they pointing to themselves or are they pointing to God? That's right. I mean, they'll say stuff like, send, send, I've got a, a debt 
a busting anointing, send your money to me and you'll get out of debt. No, the scripture tells you where to put your money. It tells you to put it in the storehouse. If you put your money in the storehouse, which is actually the local church, then the heavens will be open for you. So there's a promise. It's not just thou shalt tithe to World Harvest Bible Church if you come to this church. No, 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 no. God's given a promise. And therefore, if God gave the promise and not me, you've got something worth sowing. Because you're not sowing to me when you sow in the offerings and you put the tithes and do all the things. And it's interesting how much, because, you know, it says to obey is better than sacrifice. And you see, there are, there's often things that God will give us or leave in place when he calls us into public ministry or public life. And every one of us is called to a public life, not just some. The, the doctor who runs the surgery, the, 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 the wife who's running her home, you're on public display. Okay, so don't think about it as just here on stage. There's things that God leaves in place to test or prove our hearts. We see that in Genesis. In the beginning, God creates the heavens and the earth. It's all amazing. And he puts man in the garden with the woman. And it's all incredible. And he says, this tree I've reserved for me. All of this other stuff is yours. And he, he leaves that. Later on, he leaves. He makes all the commands about the tithes. And he's, he leaves it in man's hands for man to bring the tithe. Yet he says, the, the, the earth's mine. He could just take it. But it's a test of our hearts. But he then, he then also, uh, he, he, uh, he, we then see this directly in, in, uh, in Saul's life. Because if we read in verse 30, Saul is now being rejected by God. And this is, this is the terrible thing. It says, this is the anointing. That he called him to be king. And he says, as Samuel says, the Lord's rejected you as king. And in verse 30, Samuel says, I have sinned, but please honor me before people. Whoa. What a difference. We read about this because we read what happens next, as we've just read this week. The next thing is God anoints David. But David, we know, blew it too. But he's described as a man after God's heart. When David blew it, he's on his face repenting with sackcloth, ashes, He's doing all the outward stuff, and he's doing all the inward stuff. He is praying, interceding like crazy. Saul, he just wants, just make sure, whatever happens next, I don't care, just honor me before people. And you see, this is the, thing, this is the challenge that Esther had. Would she obey God and run in the calling, or was she going to try and get people pointing at herself? And then Saul we see doing exactly that. He's more concerned. He was once small in his own eyes, but now he's all that matters. God doesn't matter. He matters. And that's the thing. The anointing on God on our lives will take us places, yeah. and that requires things of us. Yeah. This, it's really important why the, what we've been looking at before about being determined and dedicated is so important in displaying being that display of God's glory, isn't it? Because if I do want to point to Jesus, then I need to be living like Jesus. 
I need to be dedicated to him. I need to be spending that time with him. Otherwise, it's going to be all about me and not about him. That's right. So, our third question. Yeah. So, our third question. Right. Am I a permanent sign or am I a temporary display? Sorry, did someone speak? They they stood up before. Who who was that? Who was that? It was Jill, was it? Can't see Jill. The lights. Oh, she even got glasses on. She has indeed. Okay. She, you didn't notice her as much, did you? She no, didn't no. make a big she, song and dance. She just blended into the background. She really. did. Yeah. So, do you think other people wouldn't have noticed? Apart from the voice, mm. they might have thought it came from you or me. So sometimes we can be permanently on display, and sometimes we can be temporarily on display. That's right. That's right. Am I a permanent sign or am I a temporary display? You know, one of the, the, the hardest things for us as a church is being known in the area because the signs that we put out on the road are there on a Sunday morning, but they're not there the rest of the time. So a lot of people don't really know that we're here. It's one of the big challenges. We're, uh, we've been looking at that. Mark's been uh, finding out with the council uh, what we can do. I think it's about £1,000 to put a sign up. That's uh, you know, them brown signs that says uh, World Harvest Bible Church. £1,000. We'll do it, but maybe just not quite yet. But the, the point is, we need signposts. When I go down that motorway, and they've covered up those signposts, I don't know where I am anymore. No. In fact... Alan and I had the worst journey of our life. Back from Brentwood, we were coming on the A14. And as we came along, it said that it's closed at the junction to the M1. Is it the M1? It's a junction two. It's junction two. It's closed. So we were thinking that the junction two onto the M1 was closed. The exit. The exit. But as we went trundling along down the A14... Suddenly, the whole of the A14 was closed. And we were taken off in one direction. And you know when you're taken off on a, a route, you get the detour signs, don't you? Anyway, this, this detour took us back round the roundabout, up to another roundabout, and then suddenly there were two. Because everybody coming from the other direction to then get back onto the motorway had been sent round this other detour that had then sent them back round the roads we were going to go back. And so we found ourselves back on the A14, going in exactly back where we'd come from. It's the opposite direction. Yeah, so we were like, okay, we, we missed something. So we turned around, came back, went off at the same point again, and realised just how confusing it was, because these temporary signs didn't work. And we ended up going miles away, didn't we? Whole extra hours journey yeah. trying to follow signs that weren't really there. It was one of those days when, you know, when you, 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 you try to go somewhere and every place that you go, it detours you another way, back yeah. and round and back. And every time we turned to come around, because nothing was giving a sign as to whether it was north or south, or east or west, actually, I think, in this case. Um, but, yeah, because the E14s goes yeah. uh, cross-country. So you'd hit one diversion, and as you went round, there wasn't the sign to do the next part of the diversion. 
Except if you went all the way around and it told you this way. So you actually were having confusing signs. And that's the thing about temporary signs. A temporary sign is a confusing sign. Mm. It causes confusion. So when we are one moment speaking life mm. and the next minute speaking gossip, yeah. it causes confusion into people's lives. Yeah, James 3 verse 9 says, With our tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. Hmm. So it's a, it's, it's a challenge. It's a challenge what we say. I always say to Alan when, when we have to take something back to a shop or we have to complain about something because, you know, that's part of life, isn't it? I always say to Alan, make sure you leave a nice taste in their mouth. So that means even when we have to complain or we even, you know, a situation like that, how we handle that says something about who we are and how we are and how we live our lives. And if we are like everybody else, then we're not a signpost to God. We have to be different because we're called to be different. Mm. So it's good to think about your mouth. What are you doing? What are you saying? You know, even in situations, you know, even if you're in a restaurant and you have to send your food back, you know, are you the kind of person that goes, oi, that's not good enough? Or are you the kind of person who just, you know, you know, the food isn't right? You know, are you nice about it? That's right. I mean, Claire, nice. Claire told me off because I, you know, as, as I, used to, uh, I used to leave tips for people that was a sign as to what I thought of their service. You know, if you walk out of a restaurant, you don't leave a tip. They just think you're useless and, and you forgot. If you leave a one pence tip, you send a fairly big sign. And I used to be really sarcastic, and that's what I would do if the, I thought the service I was rubbish. I was even in a restaurant once where he went like this. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my word, who have I married? <laughs> I worked in restaurants. I was used to commanding it. Well, but what I learned is how offensive, how offensive. So someone's just sat has been served you as you've been talking about Christ. He was very young when he did that. Yeah, yeah. So you spent the whole meal, you've been really excited about what God's been doing in your life, and then you just insulted that person, both how you finished that meal off. Even though they were useless at serving, is that how you want to be remembered? Well, I had to change. It says, uh, it says in, where are we going? Here. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I jumped one. Sorry. It says in, in uh, 1 John 2, uh, verse 9, it says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates his brother is still in the darkness. Yeah, and 1 John three fourteen, yeah, says, We know we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. And again in verse 17, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, has no pity on him, how can the love of God be in him? You know, it says that, that the world will know that we are his disciples because the love that we have for one another. And I know we talked a lot about this last year, but it is a lot to do with how we display God. Do we love our brothers and sisters? Do you love the people that you worship with? 
here in this room. You know, I challenge you. Find, every week, find somebody you don't know. Go up and say hello and find three things out about them. You know, because we are all brothers and sisters here together. But we need to love each other. We need to care for each other. And it's amazing, you know, when there are situations that happen in our lives and we care, it's, it's not everybody does that, you know, in the world. They're not used to people suddenly bringing round food because they happen to have come out of hospital or had a baby. So what if you go and do that to your neighbor? Your next door neighbor's just had a baby or just come out of hospital. Have you actually thought about taking them round some food? It's a way to reach out and to love. It's a way to demonstrate and display God's glory and care. It's not just about, you know, get saved. It's about loving people into the kingdom. That's right. I mean, that's one of the biggest things my mum saw uh, in my brother's church when uh, my brother and his wife had twins that were stillborn. They, they, the terrible pain in it. And my mum saw this church that just poured out love week after week. It was over six weeks. They were just, they were meeting their needs with food. They were, they replaced their bed because obviously she hemorrhaged on the bed. And it was about, yeah, 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 yeah. But all kinds of things went wrong in that, that evening. And what happened next really was the demonstration of the love of God. But it wasn't just an occasional signpost. This is what we're sort of saying. You see, it can be there one day and then gone the next. The consistency, the care, the love that was shown to them and to my mum, who kind of really didn't want to know about uh, Christianity. My mum got brought up as, as in church. She knew about church, but she never actually made that step of giving her life to the Lord. Well, that's what opened her up, and she went to Alpha Course, and that's when her testimony was... She knew the difference. That's what she said to, to my daughter. I didn't understand when you said I wasn't going to heaven, but now I do. Just the difference between knowing about God and knowing Jesus is such a powerful shift. But so often the issue is we see an intermittent sign. I look back at my testimony. My testimony, I, the first time I remember someone praying, I was in hospital and I think it was a chaplain came around. And, it, and he, he, he spoke some words because I was paralyzed. And I'd got something, I don't know, something had gone wrong. And I was in hospital. I was about seven or eight, something like that. And uh, this guy came around. And I got, I don't really remember much about it. I remember him praying. And I remember the song Amazing Grace. And that's about it. I don't really remember anything. Then I went to uh, play badminton and, and, uh, and that's part of my testimony. I had to go to church because the club that I wanted to be part of um, it was actually at this church. So the reason I went to church was to go and play badminton because they, they, they had uh, two players that played for England and uh, three that played for the county. So it was really high standard. And so I went there. But that church, two or three people were Christians and the rest of them just went to church. It wasn't a sign. I went to university and I met a bunch of people who were Christians. And they talked about being born again. Not one of them told me how to get born again. <coughs> so I got into drugs and I did all kinds of stuff and crashed and burnt out of university. I then went and stayed with one of the various girls that I was sleeping with at the time. That everything was wrong in my relationships. And her mum's a Christian. 
And within one week, a witness, a consistency, I gave my life to the Lord. You see, it doesn't take a fact. We see such intermittent signs that we can't actually make that jump. But when we see consistency, when we see that public display, when we see God's love life revealed, it's almost impossible to resist. The, The grace of God in our lives should point people to Christ. It should. And, you know, one of the things about being a permanent display is, is that people are watching you. They watch you. They know that you're a Christian. They know that you go to church. And so they're watching you, and they're watching the way that you live your life. You know, for Alan and I, you know, we know we're pastors, and we know we could walk into a Trafford Centre, and we could meet any of you in the Trafford Centre, you know? So we're aware of that, and we're aware of the fact that, actually, we can't take our pastor's hat off. But neither can we take our... Christian hat off because we display God we should display and all of us should display God all the time and I had um, when I uh, the kids were young at school um, I had a situation where at the end of one uh, the day uh, Rebecca walked out and was having a, a major paddy as we walked out of school so I had Abby who was being very nice at the time good Joseph in his pushchair, but I had Bex, who, who came out of uh, nursery, just absolutely in one of those, you know. And I just went into my automatic thing, what I do. So I just took her hand and I said, come on, Abby, let's go into the park. Because the park was next door. And we just walked into the park with Bex kind of trailing behind, having a bit of her paddy. I'll have to tell her I've talked about her today, won't I? And by the time we'd got into the playground, she'd completely calmed down, and we just walked home. What I didn't know is that there was a couple of mums who were watching what I was doing, and the next day, as I had dropped the kids off from school, one of the mums came running up, shouting, Claire, Claire, I want to talk to you. And she said, I watched you last night when you picked up the kids said, I don't know how you stayed so calm and so so peaceful. You know, I would have absolutely lost it in that situation. I'd been yelling at my child and just having a real go at them. But you didn't do that. And just, she calmed down. So I didn't know I was being watched, but I was watched. And it actually led to one of the mums inviting me round to her house and talking about God and faith. She was of a different faith and talking. So you just never know how you are and how you behave is being watched and seen by others. So are you constantly on display for him or are you temporarily one thing one day and another thing another day? Yeah. And, you know, for some of us, the way we bring up our kids, we're, we're really strict with them at home and and, and while they're around us, they'll do as they're told. But when they're out of our sight, they, they're going wild. Well, our kids always did the wild things at home, around us. When they were out, actually, that's when they were better behaved. They test the boundaries with us, but they never did when they were out. And somehow that's the right way around. You know, actually, you get a chance to correct your child when it's doing that. If you're if not a ton of bricks. I mean, I was a ton of bricks at times. But, you know, there's a, there's a grace 
There's a grace, isn't there? You know, we are on public display when we're not even around. You as a church are a far greater testimony to people around than my preaching. How you are is a letter written by me on your heart displayed to the whole world. You display my teaching. And whether anyone would want to come to this church is mainly due to you. Occasionally it's the website and other stuff. But most people come to this church because of you. So are we permanent displays? Are we public displays? Do we point to Jesus? Because that's really the, you know, the heart of being a disciple. This is what discipleship is. A disciple is determined. A disciple is dedicated. And a disciple displays. Mm. Make sure it's the right display. Mm. And, you know, as we, we just come into a close here. Is the goal of my faith the salvation of my soul and that of others? Or is the goal of my faith to look after myself? That's a big challenge, isn't it? Mm. Do we live for ourselves or do we live for the one who owns us, mm. who called us mm. by his great purposes? Mm. So let's just, let's just close our eyes. Let's just, where you are right now, let's, uh, some of this has been resounding in your heart, just been where you're exactly where you're at. For other folks, you, you've heard stuff like this, and it's like, I've been there, I've got the T-shirt. And of course, that in itself is the challenge. For those of us who've been Christians for any length of time, you've heard most of what we've preached. Mm-hmm. But are you living on display? Yeah, so maybe as we've been preaching, you have been thinking, actually, I am a distraction. That the way I live my life is a distraction. It's not actually um, on display for Christ that I hide the fact that I'm a Christian. And the challenge to you today is, are you actually going to put your life on display? Are you going to let those people that you work with know Are you going to stand up for what you believe? Are you going to love people? Because today's the day to say, I'm not going to hide anymore. I'm going to live my life fully for Christ. So maybe you're somebody, as we've spoken, you go... Well, actually, I don't point to Jesus. I point to myself. I want people to know that I've prayed. I want people to know that I've read the scripture. I want people to know what I've done and, and what has happened. And maybe you've done that without realizing it. You know, because it's actually, you know, it's very easy to do that. And we're not saying it's wrong to say that you haven't prayed. But sometimes the emphasis is too much on what you have done and you know that that's a weakness that you have. Are you prepared today to put that part of your flesh 
to the side. Because we all should be praying, we all should be reading the word, and therefore we should all be seeing God move in our lives. Or are you somebody who you know your life is not permanently on display? That in front of your Christian friends, you're one thing, you say one thing, you behave in a particular way. But when you're out with your friends that aren't Christians, you're not careful about what you watch or what you say or what you see or what you do. And you know you're living two different lives. Well, today is the day to say, I want to permanently be on display for Christ. Even when I'm with my non-Christian friends, if I don't like the film I'm watching, I'm going to get up and walk out. If I don't like the conversation, I'm going to change it or I'm going to leave the room. For, they're just examples. But you know what God is saying to you. And also, are you, are you pointing in the right direction? You know, things that God gives us. Sometimes God can reveal something to us, but we put the wrong interpretation on it. And that's called not just distraction, but that actually is... Um, get it wrong when they you know you, you put just a wrong interpretation on things deceived 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 thank you now you can be looking at something and putting the complete wrong interpretation on it and it's called deception and so that sign like our, we saw on that motorway it was taking us what we thought were in one direction but it was actually taking us the complete wrong direction and even though we thought we were going in the right direction, it, was, it, it cost us hours of time. There's things that you can have in your life that you think are the right things, but they're taking you in the wrong direction. They're going to cost you years. It's going to cost you years. You know, it's one of the things that we've always decided, our, our kids were never going to make us late for church. We never allowed it. If they, if they were... If they were to carry them out to the car and put their shoes on in the car as we were driving, that's what we did. We never were late for church because we never wanted to miss what God might do in our lives. I, I was never allowed to control Claire. and Claire's never been allowed to control me and stop us getting to where we need to be. We hassle one another in the right way. We encourage, we'll take things out. We'll, 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 we've made an agreement that when it comes to things of church, we... We don't get angry with one another forcing us to move. <laughs> Didn't always work. Most of the time we, we, we were here. It's the softening of your heart, allowing God just to work on the ground of your heart. The parable of the sower, what's implanted, needs room to grow. Are you determined? Are you dedicated and are you on display? Mm, mm. We just thought it'd be really good, you know, as you've just been before the Lord and you know, maybe you've repented, 
And, you know, God gives you everything that you need to be his disciple. He's called you to be his disciple, and that's who you are. And it's your choice. Am I going to be those things? And so we want you to make that decision now. If you're saying, yes, Lord, I am determined, I'm dedicated, and I'm going to put my life on display for you to stand. Don't just stand. Don't just actually allow that to really settle in your heart. Because God's going to hold you to these things. Not as a, as a force, but he's going to be working. He's going to put situations in front of you where you're going to have to make a choice to be on display, mm. to point in the right direction, and to stay on display. Just, just be gently praying as you respond to God. Don't, don't play games with God. Don't, don't play games with God. If you're not ready to respond, if you're not ready to be a disciple, uh, you know, it's a big thing. It's a cost. It's a cost. We're asking you to make a response to God when Actually, you don't know what that's going to cost you. But it's availability to God. It's that determination. I'm available. I'm not part-time. I'm, I'm wholehearted. I'm, I'm going for you, Jesus. This year is all about how I go with you, Jesus. I'm going to move with you. I'm not going to, I'm not going to settle back for second best. I'm going to trust you even when I don't know what resources I need, when I don't know the emotional cost of it. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to walk across a room and speak to a stranger because you're the Holy Spirit. You, you show me these people. I'm going to go and I'm going to bless someone with something when it's even it's my last pound or the last roller in the tube. Father, I want to be led by your spirit. I want to be on display. I want to be where you called me to be. Yes, Jesus. Yes. I recognize that today. 